Faith Power, Chapter 9, Faith in Yourself. In the foregoing sections of this book, we have asked you to consider the subject of the importance of developing and maintaining faith in the subjects and objects, the undertakings and propositions which constitute the basis of your endeavors and work, and also that of the confident expectation concerning the successful outcome of your endeavors in their behalf when these actually have been undertaken. In the present section, we ask you to develop, maintain and manifest faith in yourself and confident expectation concerning the outcome of your expression of personal power in thought, will and work. Important as is the maintenance of the confident expectant mental attitude toward the objects and subjects of your endeavors and toward their successful outcome. Even still more important is the intelligent, intuitive mental attitude of faith and confident expectation concerning yourself, your possession of personal power and your ability to manifest efficiently, your latent innate powers and energies and actual objective performance. You, the individual, are the base and ground, the coordinator and correlator of your active forces and energies and the creator of the world which constitutes your environment. And you are the proper subject of the manifestation of your earnest faith and your most certain confident expectation. Among the many characteristics and qualities which make for success of the individual, there is none more fundamental, essential, and basic than that of self-confidence and self-reliance, both of these terms being but expressions of the idea of faith in oneself. The man who has faith in himself not only brings under his control and direction those wonderful powers of his subconscious mentality and the full power of his conscious mental faculties and instruments, but also tends to inspire a similar feeling in the minds and hearts of those other individuals with whom he comes in contact in the course of his pursuit of the objects of his endeavors. An intuitive perception and realization of one's own powers and energies capacity and efficiency, possibilities and capabilities is an essential attribute of the individual who is destined to success. A study of the world of men will disclose the fact that those men who eventually succeed, who arrive, ultimately who do things, are marked by this deep intuitive faith in themselves and by their confident expectation of ultimate success. These men rise superior to the incidents of temporary defeat. They use these failures as stepping stones to ultimate victory. They are living expressions of Henley's Invictus. They indeed are the masters of their fate, the captains of their souls. Such men are never really defeated. Like rubber balls, they have that bounce which causes them to rise triumphantly after each fall. The harder they are thrown down, the higher do they rise on the rebound. Such men are always possible, nay, probable in certain victors, so long as they maintain this intuitive faith in self or self-confidence. It is only when this is lost that they are really defeated or destroyed. The failures in life are discovered usually to be either one, 
those who have never manifested this faith in self or self-confidence, or else too, those who have permitted themselves to lose the same under the bludgeonings of chance. Those who have never felt the thrill of faith in self or of self-confidence are soon labeled by their fellows as lacking the elements of successful achievement. The world soon gets their numbers and places them where they belong. Their lack of self-faith and self-confidence is felt by those with whom they come in contact. The world lacks faith in them and has no confident expectation of their success. Those who once have had this self-faith or self-confidence but who have lost it by reason of temporary failure or setbacks are in even a still worse condition. This because while the never had it class have merely a lack of the inspiring quality, these had it but lost it individuals actually have now a positive unfaith, distrust and disbelief in themselves and their abilities. They believe that luck is against me and they actually entertain confident expectation that the worst is yet to come. They have set the law of mental attraction operating against themselves instead of for them. Their only hope is to reverse their backward running mental engine and once more get to that I can and I will spirit. The study of the life story of the successful men in all walks of life will illustrate this principle to you so forcibly that having perceived it, you will never again doubt its absolute truth. In practically every case, you will find that these successful men have been knocked down and bowled out many times in the early days of their careers, often even later on in life. But the knockout, though perhaps daring them for a short time, never robbed them of their gameness, their will to succeed. They always rose to their feet before they were counted out, and they always grimly but resolutely faced fate. Though their heads were bloody, they were unbowed as Henley's triumphly chants. Fate cannot defeat such a spirit in time. Destiny recognizes the fact that here is a man and being feminine, she falls in love with him and bestows her favors upon him. If you will examine carefully the variety of confident men in the world around you, you will find that they may be grouped into two general classes. The first of these classes is made up of the vainglorious, egotistical, conceited men, the braggarts, the boasters, the cheap persons who are enamored by their own personality and who delude themselves as they seek also to delude the world into the belief that they are really great and wonderful men. They are conceited, not self-believers. They are filled with vanity, not with true self-reliance and self-respect. They are the peacocks and apes of the world of men, not its lions and eagles. They are base counterfeits of the self-reliant, self-confident men of the true type. They are but wood painted to resemble iron. They are false fronts, possessing no real stability or power, and having nothing serving to back them up. The world soon discovers them to be, in the slang phrases so expressive of the spirit of the idea, two spots trying to be aces, or four flushers. Yet at least for a time, they often manage to fool persons, but sooner or later, they crumple, shrivel, and fade from view. The second class of confident individuals is made up of men who pay but little attention to the superficial aspects of personality, except perhaps to employ such as their tools and instruments in working upon the world of superficial observers. Instead, they have a deep underlying faith in that something within, 
which they have discovered to be the center of their power and being. The I am I looms large in their mental vision, but that I is the great I of true individuality and not the insignificant I of superficial personality. These men distinguish and differentiate between the John Smith grocer, age 46 part of themselves, and that mysterious IMI, which recognizes that the outer mask of personality is merely that of the part that they are play now playing in the great game of life in the cosmic drama. The truly great and successful men in all walks of life intuitively recognize that the elements of personality which the masses of the public seem to think constitutes the real individuality of the successful man, are at the best but petty and trifling things, things worn about the individuality as one wears his everyday garments, and that the real individual himself is hidden from the sight of the lovers of superficiality, though being the most real thing in the world, to the true individual himself, the true individual has the most intense faith in his individuality, but regards his personality as merely something necessary for his personal manifestation and presence, and never as the thing in itself of his being. This statement will appear meaningless to those who are unable to distinguish between the inner individuality and the outer personality, between the I and the me, as some have expressed it. But all who have caught even the faintest glimpse of the real self, who have entered into the dawn of the IMI consciousness, these will know what we mean and will strive toward a fuller realization and manifestation of that something within. That moment in which the soul first experiences this consciousness of IMI, it is born into a new world, a world in which faith in itself becomes an intuitive perception and in which the confident expectation of the realization of that faith becomes an habitual mental attitude. We are not seeking to lead you into a maze of metaphysical speculation or mystic contemplation by calling your attention to this great subject and object of your faith in yourself, this eminent I am I, this wondrous something within yourself, which abides as that secret place of your temple of being. Instead, we're asking you to lay aside, at least temporarily, all such mental activities directed toward abstract subjects or objects and to turn your gaze inward until becoming accustomed to seeing darkness. You will see at first faintly, then plainly that magnificent being, which is yourself, glowing in a light soft but penetrating the inner light. When you have found this, then verily have you found that true object and subject of faith in yourself, the only true subject and object of self-faith, the subject and object of which all the subjects and objects of mere temporal ephemeral personality are but pitiful imitations or base counterfeits. When you have found this real self, that's something within this I am I, then have you found that inner and real self, which has constituted the subject and object of that faith and confident expectation, which have inspired, animated, enthused, and sustained the thousands of men who have reached the heights of attainment by the path of definite ideals, insistent desire, confident expectation, persistent determination, and balanced compensation. It is this intuitive perception and consciousness of the real self which has caused men to live out the ideal of Invictus in the spirit of that glorious poem of Henley, 
nothing but this inner realization would have been sufficient to fill the soul of man with this indomitable spirit and inconquerable will. No mere vanity of personal being, no mere belief therein would have been sufficient. There is needed the certain positive faith based upon the underlying individuality, upon the real self, upon the I am I, to enable man to utter that tremendous statement, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. In the spirit of this realization and consciousness of your real self, of your I am I, read once more that inspired poem of Henley, to which we have so repeatedly alluded in our preceding consideration of the subject of faith in yourself. It will serve as a refreshing and stimulating bath in the fountain of inspiration for you. It is indeed inspiration, and you feel it to be such. It is the voice of its author's I am I, calling to the I am I within yourself, the roar of the lion of individuality within him, which awakens corresponding vibrations in that lion within yourself. So here it is right here, Invictus by W.E. Henley. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods there be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced or cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this veil of doubt and fear looms but the terror of the shade, and yet the passing of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. It was in this spirit of the consciousness of the real self and of the conviction of its innate power and its destiny to eventually triumph that the ancient Stoic philosophers bade their followers to center their consciousness upon the indwelling spirit rather than upon the physical garment called the body or even upon these instruments of the self called the mind. They were wont to remind their followers that a man may not always master the details of his external circumstances, but he can be master of himself and accordingly the master of his fate. It was in this spirit that the ancient Hindu sages bade their students to dwell in the consciousness of the real self, for that cannot be wounded by the sword nor killed by the spear. Neither can it be burned by fire, drowned by water, crushed by earth, or blown out by the air. The wise teachers of the race have for centuries taught that this faith in the real self, in the I am I, will enable the individual to convert into the instruments of his success, even those circumstances which apparently are destined to defeat his purposes and to transmute into the beneficent agencies, even those inimical forces which beset him on all sides. They have discovered and passed on to their followers the knowledge that such a faith is a spiritual power, a living force, which when trusted and rightly employed will annihilate the opposition of outward circumstances or else convert them into workers for good. They have noted how the casualties of life seem to bow to a spirit that will not bow to them and will yield to subserve a design which they may, in their first apparent tendency, threaten to frustrate. 
They have discovered that when such a spirit is recognized, it is curious to see how the space clears around a man and leaves him room and freedom. They have seen and told us that there is no chance, no destiny, no fate that can circumvent or hinder or control the firm resolve of a determined soul. And that there can be no determined soul in the absence of faith in the real and indwelling self. We are here not preaching to you the doctrine of the cultivation of a bumptious, conceited, forward-pushing, cocksureness based upon vain conceit and cheap assurance of personal merit and capacity. There is no mental attitude further removed from the true conviction of individual innate power and capacity than is that pitiful imitation of it, which is far too common. The blustering, noisy, boasting egotism which seeks to exalt the personal self and to glorify its achievements or possible attainments is the very antithesis of that quiet, calm, restrained sense of innate power and capacity which is experienced and manifested by the individual who has found within himself that center of personal power, which is his real self, his I am I. Egotism, that cheap self-praise, self-exaltation, and vain conceit is but the tawdry and pinchback imitation of the true egoism, which is based upon the certainty of the power and possibilities of the individual ego, or the I am I. The former marks the person whose overwhelming vanity causes him to exalt and glorify his mean personal attainments and his pitifully weak personal powers. The latter distinguishes the individual of true power and real capacity who manifests his efficiency and capabilities in deeds, not in words, in actions, not in braggadocio, in performance, not in swaggering, boasting, vaporings concerning his fancied ability and his imaginary deeds. There is a difference as wide as that betwixt the poles between true egoism and the base egoism. Be sure that you differentiate between these two opposing mental attitudes. The real self, the I am I, which is the true and proper subject and base of your faith in yourself and of your confident expectation based upon this, is that something real within yourself which abides permanent, stable, firm, immutable amidst the surrounding temporal, shifting, changing physical and mental processes which compose your emotional equipment. It is the true individual surrounded by the incidents and instruments of your personality. It is that center of being around which moves the complex mechanism of your personal existence. It is that absolutely subjective entity which acts through the objective instrumentality of your mind and body, which you have regarded as yourself, but which in reality are but phases of the mechanism through which the self acts in order to manifest itself in objective existence. In that volume of this series entitled Personal Power, we have instructed you concerning this real self and therein have pointed out to you the methods of mental analysis by means of which this real self may be disentangled from its machinery of mind and body. In fact, this discovery of the real self and of its effective manifestation when once achieved forms one of the two great essential principles of this entire course of instruction embodied in this series of books. Our concern here is merely that of identifying your discovered real self 
with that self, which is the true and only valid basis for your faith in yourself and of your confident expectation of its successful manifestation in thought, word, and deed. Your real self is a ray from the great sun of spirit, a spark from the great flame of spirit, a focal point of your expression of that infinite self of spirit. The Orientals strive to indicate this relation of the self to the self by the illustration of the reflection of the sun in a million water pots. There is but one real sun, but in each pot, there is a perfect represented image of that sun, which serves to illuminate the water in the pot and which signs with force and power when the waves and ripples of the water are stilled and calm. Others have compared the self to the tiny whirlpool in the great ocean spirit. Others have sought to illustrate it by the analogy of the brilliant glow in the electric lamp and the result of the power of the principle of electricity manifesting through the resisting carbon in the lamp. But all of these illustrations and analogous representations are feeble and inadequate, though they may serve to point out and to indicate the nature of the relationship between the infinite power and its individual expression. Enough for us to state here is the fact that you, your real self, your IMI is real, permanent, firm, stable, true, and the only thing that is so in your entire personal being. Just as spirit is the only thing so in the infinity of being manifested in and through the cosmos. Your faith in it is as fully warranted as is your faith in the infinite power of the cosmos. For at the last, the two are one in essence and fundamental being. Your real self is the absolute fact of your being, the one and only such absolute fact. All the rest is relative and comparative, finite and conditioned by circumstance. Your real self is your master self. It is the king on the throne of your personal being. When you realize this, then you will assert your kingship and your mastery over all of your mental powers, conscious, subconscious, and unconscious, and of your physical powers as well. Surely such an entity is worthy of your faith and of your confident expectation of the manifestation of its powers. Their earnest faith in your real self and your confident expectation concerning its manifestation and expression in your work, your endeavors, your plans, your purposes, serve to bring into action your full mental and spiritual power, energy, and force. It quickens your intellectual powers. It employs your emotional powers efficiently and under full control. It sets into effective action your creative imagination. It places the powers of your will under your mastery and direction. It draws upon your subconscious faculties for inspiration and for intuitive reports. It opens up your mind to the inflow of the illumination of your superconscious spiritual faculties and powers. It sets into operation the law of mental attraction under your direct control and direction, whereby you attract to yourself or you to them the circumstances, events, conditions, things and persons needed for the manifestation of your ideals in objective reality. More than this, it brushes away the obstacles which have clogged the channels of your contact with and communication with spirit itself that great source of infinite power, which in this instruction is called power. Discover your real self, 
your I am I, then manifest your full faith in and toward it and cultivate your full confident expectation concerning the beneficent results of that faith. <laughs>